This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Jax Miller. Yep, I'm excited to be here. Welcome, everybody. Uh, today, we're going to be looking back on the time when Metallica sued Napster, a peer-to-peer file-sharing music program, over some music infringement issues. Um, so, why don't we start off with a little bit of history on Napster? So, it was founded in 1999 by Sean Fanning and Sean Parker, two uh, friends that wanted to have a way to share music but not have to pay for it or just use cds because back then it was only physical copies like this was the first in a way it was kind of the first streaming service i guess you could say right but it um certainly infringed on the gray area of uh copyright laws yeah, it was, I mean, it was a little bit more towards the illegal side, but it was still technically gray area at the time, I believe. Um, but one of the things that like, so it was file sharing. So basically it would just open up every MP3 file you would have, as I understand it from reading uh, this Wikipedia page, it would basically open up like every, it would just show any MP3 file you had um assuming that it was music so basically like if you downloaded a song onto your computer it was automatically uploaded into this virtual cloud where anybody could access it and Uh uh, this would create problems later because basically people could just like go in and access anybody else's files and just like completely steal their information or just cause all sorts of problems and then uh, Metallica gets involved here. Yeah. So Metallica, for those that don't know, is a one of the all-time greatest heavy metal bands, one of the big four. And uh, you know they find out early that Napster is um, providing access to their unreleased songs, and basically file a lawsuit against them. And they're the the biggest, the first big artist to do that against Napster. Yeah, so basically Metallica had this song called I Disappear that had not been released yet. It was, I believe, originally supposed to be released as a single, and uh, it was not out yet, and it just showed up on Napster. And then Metallica discovered this and discovered their entire back catalog was on Napster as well because it was just so easy to access music back then. There was no... It's not like now when like you'll get certain artists saying, "Well, you can't put my albums and songs on this streaming service." It was all it was all there for the taking, and there was no rules. It was the wild west, if you will. 
So um, I have here the that April 13th, 2000 was uh, the day that uh, the case was filed. And uh, another another artist, uh, Dr. Dre, filed similar similar lawsuits and complaints against them. So yeah, because I believe what happened was that uh, Dr. Dre shared the same legal firm as Metallica. So once Metallica like brought on this suit against Napster, Dr. Dre had to get a get in on it too because all the, it just exposed to all of these artists that. Like it just immediately exposed to all these artists that like all their music could be accessed if they weren't getting paid for it. Um, and that created mm-hmm. some real problems for both sides of this suit, really. And I think it's worth mentioning that um, some other artists like uh, Limp Biscuit, um, even uh, they, they almost endorsed uh, Napster and uh, their 2000 tour was sponsored by Napster and it's just crazy to to see how divisive this is this is uh, considering you know how destructive it could be to the industry yeah because basically at the time Limp Bizkit was they were in favor of uh, these services like Napster and Audio Galaxy and LimeWire because they said well people can access they can find new bands or new artists to be interested in, and then they can buy physical copies and actually helps physical sales. But that wasn't really the case because you could just find a new band and then steal all of their music by using all these file, these file sharing services that were completely free to the public. And uh, even, even I see here that Motley, Motley Crue uh, kind of, uh, accuses Metallica of being petty in a way and kind of um, like saying, oh, this is just some publicity stunt by Metallica, but I don't, I don't see it that way, I guess. Yeah, I don't I don't know that it was a publicity stunt as it was more just like stop stealing our songs and like stop stealing. Like it was, I mean, not as much for them, but like, for smaller artists like that really just affects sales completely um like that can just completely destroy your sales if it's just all getting stolen basically on this wild west site where anybody can access any of your music and then um i guess in uh in 2001, uh, Napster, or was it 2002? Napster went bankrupt because they um, they had to settle with the with the case. Yeah, because basically, I think that in 2001, uh, so 2000 was this lawsuit against Metallica, but I think more artists came forward later, and in 2001, they filed for bankruptcy and had to liquidate all their assets and then essentially they were finally defunct by 2002 by the fall of 2002 even though they stopped as a service in july of 2001 right um and uh some artists or and and the public kind of expected uh 
CD sales to rise because of this, but you know it didn't really turn out that way, or at least um, in the the within the generation group, people like colleges and campuses and such. You know. Yeah, it really like I mean, it really just didn't save the CD industry at all. It almost hurt it more uh, because I mean, like obviously like vinyl survived and is really popular again, but like, uh, yeah, CDs just kind of died out not too long after that. Uh, just wasn't as big of a, like a market anymore, really. Mm -hmm. Cause especially now it's like, why would you have a CD? Sure. Like the argument for vinyls is like it might sound better or like it's cool to have a collection of that but for like cds it's like what does it sound better in your like ford fusion <laughs> like <laughs> than it will on your phone <laughs> like it's not gonna there's no sound difference and it's i mean you could still do it for like the collection's sake i guess uh, mm -hmm. i did that for a while but then it be, it just became pointless and then i just started collecting records because <laughs> it just makes so much more sense and as, as far as some of these arguments, like um, people saying, oh, Metallica makes so much money off of concerts and other things, and like, what does it matter, the little price of these uh, files or MP3s or whatever, um, but they they, all, they make a good point when they, Metallica, uh, Lars said uh, that, yeah, they do, they're fortunate to make a lot of this money, but not everybody is, not all these artists are, they kind of have to... Um, you know, their income is a little more um, scarce, you know, because it's tough in the industry. It's not so easy and they just got, they're kind of, they're lucky to be where they are, but it's for the sake of these other artists, you know? Yeah. Um, and I know like even still like people from the band like Kirk Hammett are still defending going after napster like that and being so because part of i think part of the reason that people took issue with them going after napster wasn't that they were going after them it was just the way they did it was a little aggressive because it was also just like i mean that's kind of just like metallica's thing is like being kind of loud and aggressive yeah it was almost like even like the lars has like expressed like some remorse and then like yeah we probably shouldn't have been that aggressive about it <laughs> but mm -hmm. but you gotta think of of how big a deal this is it's not something that they you know should be taken lightly oh yeah for sure it's like that was what changed like that was what changed how we listen to music from yeah, now because like that's what created streaming services pretty much yeah, it's definitely um, you know, kickstart to that. Cuz it's like I mean, you can say what you will about Napster, but it's like like they really were so influential for what they were doing at the time. Like we wouldn't have Apple Music or Spotify or anything like that if they they weren't only influential to all these streaming services we have now, but also um I think some of the laws and policies and oh yeah <laughs> copyright procedures we have now yeah um, there's just like it's such a like rats in us especially now with like those copyright laws because it's all like back then 
it was still getting more progressive with that stuff but like yeah in the early 90s it was like very wild west and like up until that or i guess that was when it started to get more like people started to pay attention to it a little bit more like with the vanilla ice ice mm-hmm. ice baby just like completely ripping off under pressure it's a, it's a little tighter now and there is less gray area yeah because now it's like you still can sample but it's like it's so like a complicated way you have to do it like you have to basically go through just all this complicated legal stuff to be able to uh sample or make a cover of a song or whatever get permission from the artists give them a percentage sort of yeah thing. they have to get royalties too as part of it that's like why it's gotten a little tougher over the years too but i think i think it's a good change though overall for for the industry yeah i mean it's it's a lot better now that it's like it's not so unregulated it's like it is getting better but like I could see it getting to a point where it becomes too regulated, you know, like, yeah. like all things do, like it'll probably come to an end where it's not, not as good. But, uh, I think it was, it was good that like Napster was kind of taken down, but they also did kind of like start a revolution for how we hear music and, how we're yep. able to access it and stuff. The Napster flame burnt strong for two years, but <laughs> yeah, about two and a half or not even that long. I think it was just two years. Yeah. Um, but like some of those other services, like I'm seeing here, like uh, Audio Galaxy was around for a while, so they were around from 1998 to 2013 so they made it much longer than uh napster did so is that the same sort of uh file sharing so napster did or yeah audio galaxy is a file sharing system that used like mp3 files so basically the same thought the same thing that uh napster did but they must have had some sort of like way that they could do it legally because I don't understand how they were right. around for 15 years without. Oh, Those so sort of audio issues. galaxy, audio galaxy launched Rhapsody, which was like the first music streaming service that my family had. And Rhapsody actually became Napster later. And I think it still is Napster, but yeah. So audio galaxy originally, Rhapsody was originally a byproduct of Audio Galaxy. That was launched in 2002. So that was, that might have been like one of the first actual. And that would have been like right out of Napster. So, yeah, because that was, yeah, that was right when Napster officially closed its doors and like the actual streaming services started to come forward. So I want to, um, maybe I, I just want to read, read you this list of, uh, Rolling Stones, 12 landmark music copyright cases. And, uh, this isn't really anything like naps, but more like the sampling stuff, uh, between artists. Yeah. So, um, uh, the first one is, uh, 
the Beach Boys versus Chuck Berry, 1963, with a uh, Surf in USA and Sweet Little 16 by Chuck Berry. Yeah, I've never heard of this one before. So um, that ended with, uh, it says, although the genre, genre was built on a handful of standard three-chord progressions and blue licks, the Surf in USA incident was one of the first major plagiarism scuffles in rock history. So that was pretty early on, obviously, in 1963. But, um, and I'm surprised we've never heard of that because, like we were talking about before we started recording, these like uh, sampling laws and licensing laws and stuff, they didn't really start to take effect until like the late ni- mid to late 90s right. from what I've read. Um, I don't know how accurate that is because I don't remember where I read it, but some of these are pretty, uh, pretty big, widely known artists too. Like, uh, this next one is Led Zeppelin versus Willie Dixon. I don't um, know if I've heard of that one either. Bring It On Home by Led Zeppelin, uh, versus Bring It On Home by Sonny Boy Williamson and Whole Lot of Love by Led Zeppelin versus You Need Love by Muddy Waters. <laughs> yeah, I know um, like a lot of those old rock bands, like sometimes they would just straight up steal songs from like those old the singers from like yeah. the 50s and stuff. Because like Rolling Stones had a couple that they uh, basically took from, they had this one that was, I don't remember exactly what the song was, but it basically it ended up they found out later that it was just like stolen straight from like a soul song from like the fifties. And yeah, it was, half, half the time it's just like the baseline or like the little things, but it's, it's sampling. And I think that they actually took basically like the lyrics and just rewrote the song from what I remember, uh, because I think it ended up turning out to be their version ended up turning out to be the one that they sued or their manager sued the verve for, for bittersweet symphony that right. really like, enforce that really like was a really big uh sampling lawsuit because it basically took all the money that these guys had earned from this song and took it away and it was like it it wasn't even like it didn't sound like the original rolling stone song mm-hmm. it used like the basic beat and then they wrote new words and like and it's like way. enough to tell i mean you can tell but it's it's still like definitely its own song. Okay. Like it's yeah. it's different enough um that it's not too even like Keith Richards cuz he didn't see I think like their old manager or something he sued them on the behalf of the Rolling Stones. But even like Keith Richards like was like I don't care it's a good song. <laughs> like yeah. He got interviewed and he's like I don't care they're making music and it's a good song. I don't really mind. <laughs> And uh, there's also George Harrison versus the Chiffons in 1976. Um, the song is My Sweet Lord by George Harrison, which I, I love that song. That's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song. And uh, it's He's So Fine by the Chiffons. I think I have heard of this case, but very briefly. It's not one that is covered as much, which is kind of surprising because it seems like a couple years ago, like My Sweet Lord had like a resurgence. Where it just like it well, showed up. The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Because yeah. like everyone was listening to that song in like 2017. 
and yeah. then it just went back to being like an old rock song again. This one's kind of surprising. It's a uh, Ray Parker Jr. who did the Ghostbusters yeah. theme song uh, versus Hugh Lewis in the News. This is in 1984. Oh, weird. <laughs> that is so weird. <laughs> the Huey Lewis song is "I Want a New Drug." Oh yeah, that's a great song too. This one says, though no legal precedents were set, the lawsuit's ghostly reemergence served as a strong reminder that confidentiality agreements weren't just a formality. Huh. Oh, and so here's what, the one we were talking the, about: uh, Ray Parker Jr. song, Ghostbusters. The, oh, it was. Oh yeah. wait. They sued them for that. They sound nothing alike. I, <laughs> those, I don't understand. Those songs like sound nothing alike. Pretty it much. says it's described so as Huey Lewis esque. So I mean, I yeah, but enough, that was like half of pop music back then. Yeah. Was Huey Lewis esque. It True. wasn't like I mean, I love Huey Lewis. He creates some great songs, but it's not like he was like out of so this distinct. world original. Yeah. yeah, like a lot of that song or a lot of that stuff was pretty popular at the time and here, here's the one that we were pretty interested in john fargy versus credence clearwater revival <laughs> yeah. 1985 see this one's interesting to me because it is just so mind-numbingly stupid <laughs> like do you want to well, take this one <laughs> that's how i mean that's how it goes um it says that uh fogarty's 1972 split with his credence clearwater revival bandmates and their label, Fantasy Records, was so acrimonious that Fogarty refused to perform songs from his former group for 15 years. And, it, and it, the songs are The Old Man Down the Road by John Fogarty and Run Through the Jungle by CCR. It's a classic. Um, it is. I, I, I love I've Run never, Through the Jungle. See, it's weird because I've never heard of The Old Man Down the Road, but I obviously know Run Through the Jungle. I think I've heard that song, but I forgot that was the one that they... Uh claims sound too much like run through the jungle which he wrote <laughs> it's uh it's just a a weird countersuit yeah <laughs> it's just that was just so stupid because it was like he wrote i think he wrote run through the jungle with ccr right Fogarty won yeah yeah he won the then, case. oh he won the case oh i thought yeah. he lost the case no. but uh yeah so basically he wrote run through the jungle with ccr when he's still with them and then he he left the band and started his solo career, which was very successful on its own. But he wrote the song old man down the road. That was like, I guess it sounded vaguely like run through the jungle, but then CCR sued John Fogarty for writing a song that sounded too much like his own. Right. It's like, but like a lot of his songs sounded kind of similar. <laughs> was the funny thing about it too. Um, and then there's, there's Vanilla Ice versus Queen and David Bowie. That's, That's one classic. of the greatest ones That's... too. Man, that that guy was a poet. It's bizarre, <laughs> bizarre to think that uh, Vanilla Ice would deny. Um, Ice. Oh yeah, didn't Vanilla... he say he'd never heard the song before? Um, or something like that. Well, he um he claims that the. The bass lines were different because he added like one beat between the notes. Oh, that doesn't make it different though. I know. It's, <laughs> it's just it, still the same song. <laughs> um, it says that he, he faced 
Public Scorn and Bowie and Queen receive songwriting credits on the track. So, yeah, I still think about that song, Ice Ice Baby. I'll still think about it, and like sometimes the lyrics will pop into my head, like yeah. "Flow like a harpoon daily and nightly" will fly, will just pop in my head, and I'll become a little bit angry. <laughs> I, I think I, I've gotten to the point now. I can I can tell which one's which by the beginning, but it's. <laughs> Yeah. Also, the Queen one has the just like Freddie Mercury scatting for like thirty seconds straight <laughs> for absolutely Classic. no reason, but it's Classic. so great. Uh, this one I don't know about. De La Soul versus the Turtles. I feel like I've heard of this one, but it's like a little. Um, the only Turtle song I know is "Happy Together." That, that's really all I know about that one. Yeah, but. of course. It's like that's the only one I know. There's two, but I'm sure they're like one of those bands that like you hear five more of their songs. You're like, oh, oh. that's that one other old song that <laughs> I never do is Turtle Song. Um, two Live Crew versus Roy Orbison in 1994. I think I've heard of this one because wasn't it? It's Pretty it Brown Eyed Girl. It was Pretty Woman. That's what it was. Okay, yeah, okay. I've heard of that case, but. That one wasn't like as heavily talked about, at least recently either. Like that one's just kind of. I think I heard about that one very recently. This uh, list also mentions the one you said earlier: the Verve versus the Rolling Stones. That was in nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, um, Bittersweet Symphony. That. And the song, the Rolling Stones song, was "The Last Time." I knew it was something like that. Yeah, it okay. was. That was written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. Yeah, I remember, I'm trying to think of, because I think there was some stipulation that they didn't actually use the beat from the Rolling Stones song. I thought they used it from, like, a cover that was done by, like, a string quartet, but then they, like, their manager claimed that it was infringement. I don't remember the exact story. I know that there's a great uh, video, like, a basically like a mini documentary type thing that's like 10 minutes long on youtube by Mm -hmm. channel called middle eight if anyone wants to look for that but i don't remember the exact story so i'm not going to go too much further into it uh next one's robin thick versus marvin gay in 2014 Um, is this for blurred lines it is yeah i remember this one too (laughs) and it's uh got to give it up by marvin gay okay i feel like if heard that song before but i just remember that he i just remember that uh uh robin thick had like the issues with copyright for that song so it says that marvin gay got uh 50 of the song's future royalties so oh okay oh and it says it, it was one of the largest payouts in music copyright history I wonder what happened to Robin Thicke. I haven't. I feel like I haven't heard of that guy in like seven years. <laughs> I don't think I even know any other songs by him. I don't think I do either. I just remember Blurred Lines was so popular. Yeah, it was, was a like earworm. Yeah, middle school or whatever. And I, yep. was, I always hated that song. I just thought it sounded so like generic and weird. Yeah. It's like this is just so like poppy. <laughs> I never liked that song. Um, Mark Ronson versus the Gap Band, the Sequence, Zap, and Collage. I've never heard of this. I mean, I've heard of Mark Ronson, but I did Mark, not understand so, any of the other words you just said. <laughs> it, it is regarding the song Uptown Funk. Oh, really? Okay. But I don't recognize any of this other stuff. It was 
It was in 2015. But, um... The last one is Lana Del Rey versus Radiohead. I've heard of this. I can't remember uh, exactly what song it was. Get Free by Lana Del Rey versus Creep by Radiohead. Okay, yeah. I remember this. Actually, Radiohead ties sort of into our first topic today with the Napster discussion because I believe that they also sued Napster towards the end because like, their album Kid A was just on Napster like three months before it came out. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at, it doesn't look like, yeah, so Radiohead didn't sue them, but uh, yeah, like their songs from Kid A were on yeah. Napster before it came out. But Radiohead also has a history of just like giving away their music for free. Like, yeah. I don't know if, You've heard of this, but like their album In Rainbows that came out like 10 years ago, uh, they put it up on their website and they're like, hey, you can pay whatever amount of money for it you want. Like if you want it for free, go for it. If you want to give us $5, that's cool too. Kind of <laughs> like a donation like, system. Yeah, it was, it was really cool what they did for that. And it was like, they got like really, like critics really hated them for it. Like they thought it was a stupid decision because it like hurt sales or something. And it's like, they seem pretty popular. I don't. I don't know a lot of them. I, I. I like the few songs that I do, but they seem pretty popular. Yeah, that was like when I learned about that recently. That was like when I started to get into them recently, and I was like, "Oh, this is just like kind of a cool thing that they did." Um, that's all I got from that list. So that's kind of a a big long history of copyright cases in the music industry yeah it's a very uh summarized history of copyright cases um yeah so for this i basically just used like a couple wikipedia articles on the suit itself between metallica and napster and then one on napster itself and then i used a rolling stones article or a rolling stone article about kirk hammett uh, where it said Metallica's Kirk Hammett were still right about suing Napster. Uh, those were the sources I used today. I agree, they're justified. But um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, Rolling Stones has a lot of interesting articles. Yeah, That's where I found this uh, music copyright cases list. Otherwise, I use uh, Kerrang.com for the Metallica versus Napster. Oh yeah. Um, Want to go into our next segment? Yeah, sure. So why don't you introduce it for us? Um, so we're going to try something out too on this show. Uh, just towards the end of the episode, probably just talking about what music we've been listening to recently. And then hopefully get a playlist of that up somewhere sometime soon. Once okay, we have so, more okay. episodes out. Um, so basically recently I've been listening a lot to the flaming lips. I've been going back into like some of their stuff and listening to their, like, they have a really good greatest hits album. That's just like a really good introductory, mm -hmm. um, for them. Have you ever listened to flaming lips, Jax? No, I, you got some recommendations for me. Oh yeah. So they're like, 
they're this real weird band. They started in like I think the mid eighties, and they were just kind of like a kind of like alternative punk band almost. And then they started getting really experimental. And then like at the in the early two thousands, they just started making this like real self introspective, uh-huh. like real trippy psychedelic stuff. And like a lot of their stuff, I would say from like eighty like whenever they started i think it was like 86 up until probably like 2006 is all pretty good from what i've listened to um trying to think i really like race for the prize that's a really good song from their 1999 album the soft bulletin because i mean it's kind of interesting now that they wrote that song in 1999 but it's about like two scientists trying to find a cure for a virus that, like oh, could okay. end humanity and it's like it's really that definitely applies a great thing a thing about the flaming lips that i love is like their stuff their songs are all a little strange and like a little goofy you kind of have to get used to them but like he's like, the guy who writes uh their songs the lead singer his name's wayne Coyne. he's a great storyteller hmm. um because like one of my other favorites of theirs is called christmas at the zoo and it's just about this guy who goes to the zoo on Christmas and tries to let the animals out because he feels bad for them. And then they they talk to him and they're like, now nah, we'll just stay here. <laughs> but it's like it's like a whole story, but it's like based on a bunch of nonsense. But it's like a surprisingly yeah. good song. Those are like the two I'd recommend. Sounds pretty good to me. Um, I lately. Uh, so I really like. Uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. Oh yeah, of course. And I, what, something that I like the most about them is the soundtracks and uh, the music he uses in those movies. Oh, they have some of the best soundtracks. <laughs> I know, and I and I kind of put a playlist together for myself of all these songs from his movies, and then I thought that Guardians of the Galaxy, that soundtrack kind of fit the genre, so I added those songs too, but. You know, it, it has songs from like the Box Tops, uh, Dusty Springfield, um, just all these old 50s, 60s, 70s uh, artists, and uh, Joni Mitchell, uh, Marvin Gaye, um, Mamas and Papas, Simon Garfunkel. You know yeah. the the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack? Uh, I mean, I used to have it memorized, probably, but I haven't. I remember that there was like. I mean, even last night, I was listening to some of that stuff because uh, me and my friends will get on like Discord every night and play video games. And we listen to a lot of because we have like a thing through Discord where we can listen to music. And we've listened okay, to cool. a lot of that type of stuff because uh, wasn't the Pina Colada song and one of the Guardian? Yeah, yeah, we were listening to that last yeah. night because I just that's one that I can just randomly throw on and like no one's angry. <laughs> like that's just a great song. Yeah. There's there's a ton of artists on here that I like and um it's just uh it's kind of good for when I'm doing my homework and I, I like the background music of it and I can just tap my feet to it it's really nice. Oh yeah. Oh I forgot uh Fooled Around and Fell in Love by Elvin Bishop was in That's Guardians. a good one. That's a great song. I yeah. love that song. Uh I'm looking Oh, Bring It On Home to Me by Sam Cooke. I didn't know that was in Guardians 2. Well, that that one's in Volume 2. Yeah, I didn't know that it was in that. That that's a great song too, but I just I must have discovered that afterwards. And then uh, I love these song these soundtracks. They're, they're like some of the greatest soundtracks. Oh of all yeah, 
also i think one of the best songs off of i would put it in my top three out of like all the guardians songs out of both movies i love uh lakeshore drive by elia yeah. jeremiah yeah. <laughs> it's such a good song yeah. but it's like i don't think they were like a real popular band yeah. i think it was a band i don't think it was just like one guy um but they weren't like super popular for what because i kind of when that movie came out i kind of looked into them and i couldn't find like it was just like one of those artists where it just had basically like that song over and yeah. over in their top charts <laughs> one hit wonder sort of guy yeah oh it says um at least on apple music they only had one album it was called Lake Shore Drive, but that's yeah, that's just so weird. Maybe it was like I don't know if it was like a super group or just like a one time thing, but that's like so strange that they just had one album with that one like great song and then they just completely never had one again. Well yeah, that's what that's what I've been going through lately. Those I kind of just go back to that playlist. Oh yeah. I've been uh I forgot to mention I've also been kind of listened to a little bit of stevie wonder too i kind of like yeah. some of that stuff especially uh i think i believe the album is songs in the key of life yeah that's that's a really good one from what i've listened to it has uh sir duke and i wish which are great songs um it also has pastime paradise which became the sample for coolio's gangster paradise <laughs> which i just really learned like a couple days ago what, what's the it, album called uh, it's called songs in the key of life you've probably seen the album cover before it's just like a very famous uh cover but i love that i love his like early stuff because it's it's really like it's way funkier than i thought it was yeah. like because i thought this because i know some of the stuff is like kind of slower just kind of that like slow jam stuff but like he has a lot of great like kind of funk rock like higher ground is a great one that that went on to be covered by the red hot chili peppers uh that song's really great uh living for the city's a great song yeah i mean he has so many great ones that i like finally decided to start listening to him seriously and i like him a lot my favorite stevie wonder song is for once in my life oh okay that one but i think i heard it a couple days ago because if yeah, I know what song you're talking about. Yeah, that one's pretty good. I like that one a lot. Just kind of upbeat, gets me in a good mood sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's like one of his really early songs. Cause this, I was, one, this says 1968. Yeah, because it looks like one of his older albums. Because I was reading about him like a couple days ago, too. He was originally part of um, Motown when he was like 12. He was like a prodigy, basically. Uh, he got signed to Motown when he was like 12 years old. Which is insane. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, that's that's what I've been listening to. So that's yeah. So I think that's pretty much uh, it for us today. Uh, so we're gonna try and put these out once a week or two, just around that schedule. We're still kind of figuring things out, but uh, eventually, with Ryan and everything. Yeah, eventually we'll have another member uh too that will be joining in with us and uh hopefully it'll start to all get together and actually become flow better like yeah it'll start to flow a little bit better um yeah that's all we have today um 
I'm Evan Hibbert. I'm excited. I'm Jack Smeller. Hi, <laughs> <I> excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack Smeller. Well, thanks. Thank you guys for listening. See you next time. Hi. Ha <laughs> ha